Amid fears of an impending third wave of coronavirus, a steady rise in R values in some of the states is indicating that the Delta variant-driven second wave may not have ebbed all the way yet. The R value indicates the speed at which the COVID infection is spreading amongst the population, and according to the center, certain states and union territories like Kerala, Tamil Nadu, Himachal Pradesh, Jammu and Kashmir, Lakshadweep, Mizoram, Puducherry, and Karnataka have all reported an R value of more than one. This means that one COVID-positive person is infecting more than one person. The situation is especially concerning in Kerala, which tops the chart in R value at 1.22, and has been reporting a huge spike in cases as well. Almost 49.85% of the total cases in India in the past week were, in fact, reported from this state. A few other states like Uttarakhand and Himachal Pradesh are also seeing a significant weekly rise in COVID infections. Now, the concern over the uptick in the R value was flagged by the center's COVID task force, which said that this shows that the pandemic is not even close to being over yet. Dr. V K Paul, who leads the task force, also cautioned that the R number should be 0.6 or below that figure. If it has gone over one, it shows that it's going to be a significant problem, and the virus wants to spread. He says. So, how concerned should we be? What does the R value tell us about India's fight against COVID? Does it signal the beginning of a third wave? In this episode, we take all our questions to India's top vaccine scientist, Dr. Gagandeep Kang. You're tuned in to the Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you, and I'm your host, Shorbury. After a continued decline for the past few months till about mid-May, India's COVID cases have been seen to be rising once again. The country recorded 42,625 new COVID cases in just the last 24 hours, which was calculated to be almost a 40% jump from 3rd August figures. While the overall monthly positivity rate in India stands at 1.98%, According to the government's data, at least 18 districts across the country have shown an increasing trend in cases in the past four weeks, and 10 of these districts are from Kerala alone, which are accounting for almost 40% of the total cases in the country in the last week. Three are from Maharashtra, and the rest from northeastern states, which too have been showing a spike in cases. 44 districts in India are also reporting more than 10% weekly positivity. And again, 10 of these are from Kerala, while 9 are from Mizoram. In a press briefing, Niti Aayog's VK Paul, who heads the center's COVID task force, said that the COVID data from India is presenting a mixed picture. While the high caseload in Kerala is a cause for worry, the R number of the country is moving in the wrong direction. It is truly a case of concern as the second wave is persisting, he said. Listen in. आज आपके सामने जो रिपोर्ट प्रस्तुत हुई है डेटा प्रस्तुत हुआ है मिक्स्ड पिक्चर फिर सामने आई है हम देखते हैं कि जिन जिलों में 100 से ज्यादा केसेस हो रहे थे वो कम हो गए हैं हम ये भी देख रहे हैं कि केस हाई पॉजिटिविटी वाले भी जिलों में चेंज आया है बिफोर दैट ओवरऑल पॉजिटिविटी रेट में डिक्लाइनिंग ट्रेंड है और जो हाई पॉजिटिविटी के जिले हैं उनमें भी गिरावट आई है लेकिन वहीं पे एक सिग्नल मिलता है कि नए जिले भी हाई पॉजिटिविटी रेट के साथ जुड़ रहे हैं एक सिग्नल ये मिलता है दूसरा आपके सामने जो डेटा और मैप दिखाया गया उसमें ये भी दिखाया गया कि हमारे कई प्रांतों में कई राज्यों में रिप्रोडक्शन नंबर जो है वो एक से ऊपर पहुँचा हुआ है और बढ़ रहा है 
और कंटिन्यूइंग हाई एक्टिव केस लोड एंड पेंडेमिक लोड इन द स्टेट ऑफ केरला कंटिन्यूज टू बी वेरी सिग्निफिकेंट वरी तो मिक्स पिक्चर है और आज के कंसर्न्स में हिमाचल जम्मू कश्मीर लक्षद्वीप तमिलनाडु मिजोरम कर्नाटक पुडुचेरी और केरल ये राज्य जो हैं वो चिन्हित हुए हैं आपके सामने सो मिक्स पिक्चर एंड इट ओनली एम्फिसाइज द नीड फॉर अस टू यूज़ द फुल आर्मामेंटेरियम ऑफ पेंडेमिक कंट्रोल एंड पेंडेमिक रिस्पॉन्स जिसको कि लव अग्रवाल जी ने एंड में बड़े अच्छे तरीके से समझाना समझाया आप सबको और उसको दोबारा एम्फिसाइज किया But let's talk in detail about why there's so much concern about the R value. The R not value, also known as the R factor, is the reproductive rate of a virus or of any virus. It is used to calculate the transmissibility of the virus, and that's why it has important implications when it comes to disease control strategies. For example, the R not value for the 2003 SARS outbreak was around three in the early months, which meant that one person could spread the virus to three other people. But measles or chickenpox have an R factor of eight or more. And if you look at the deadly second wave of COVID, the overall R value was around 1.08 in the first week of March. Then it climbed to 1.56 by the third week of April, and has been dropping down ever since. Now, according to the Indian Institute of Mathematical Sciences' latest study, the overall R factor in India is at 0.88. But Kerala, which has an R value of 1.22, has been adding thousands of cases daily for the past few weeks, despite accounting for only three percent of the population. Does the increase in R value then signal the beginning of a third wave? Dr. Gagandeep Kang explains more. Well, any time the R goes above one, it could potentially signal the beginning of the third wave. It all depends on the measures that are put under control. Uh, you know to try and control the spread of the virus the r rate really measures transmission so it is about how many infections one person is passing on to people in their communities and any time it is above one that is an infection that will continue to grow in the population if we look at r not which is written as r0 that is the rate of spread that you have when the entire population is completely naive everybody is completely susceptible and for sars cov2 that r not has been calculated originally to be about 2.5 and then we had the alpha variant which was 1.6 times more transmissible and then we had the delta variant which is 1.6 more times more transmissible or you don't know transmissible but it spreads more easily and that gives you a potential r not of somewhere between 6.5 and 8 so that is has been reduced to an effective reproductive number which again we want to try and keep below 1 but is just above 1 in some states so essentially it's a signal that you need to do something about dr kang also says that it's important to look at where the r value is being measured in is it the general population or in targeted areas the other thing that's important to remember is where are you measuring are you know what is contributing to that number 
if you are measuring R in the general community and it is 1.2, you really do need to worry a lot about it. If you're doing more targeted testing, if you're looking specifically at controls, if you're looking at people who have symptoms, then you don't worry so much about it being above one because that's actually not representative of spread in the general population. In a previous episode of The Big Story, we did an in-depth analysis of why Kerala, which has been an excellent COVID control model in the country, is possibly showing such a big spike, while at the same time the hospitals in the state don't seem to be fully burdened yet. And one of the big reasons for Kerala's spike is that it's testing a lot more people than the other states are and it's also doing a good job with its COVID surveillance. If you missed that episode, please do check it out in our show notes for more details on Kerala's COVID situation. But another important reason being cited for Kerala's COVID cases is its low seroprevalence. According to the findings of a zero survey conducted by the ICMR between June 14th and July 6th, Kerala seems to have the lowest exposure to COVID with only 44.44% of the population showing antibodies. Dr. Kang says that this could be a reasonable explanation for Kerala's high COVID numbers, but there are a few caveats. It is a reasonable explanation for what's happening in Kerala. Kerala certainly has a large proportion of the population that is susceptible. It's also a state where population density is relatively high. It does vary. It's quite heterogeneous. You have homesteads that are on top of hills surrounded by nobody, as well as uh, populations that mingle quite a lot. So I think what, has, what the seropositivity rate shows us, and it's important to emphasize that that zero positivity is likely to be a bit of an underestimate and that it is contributed both by people who have been infected and by people who have been vaccinated. So among those who are vaccinated, you expect protection. Among those who are infected, you expect protection. But you also have to understand that there may be a proportion of people that are protected but not testing positive in the zero surveys because of the waning of antibodies. What proportion that is, we don't know at the moment, but it is safe to say that Kerala has a larger susceptible population as a proportion of the total compared to other states. The National Zero Survey also shows that Madhya Pradesh leads the chart with 79% seroprevalence. Rajasthan, Gujarat and Bihar have it around 74 to 75%, while Uttar Pradesh has 71% seroprevalence. And all this, of course, once again brings the question of herd immunity before us. But what do these figures tell us? Do we have enough immunity as a population? Dr. Kang decodes what the survey means for India's fight against COVID and she also explains why we need to speed up our vaccinations. It takes you back to your reproductive number. So your herd immunity threshold, as it's called, is uh, basically dependent on how transmissible, how easily a virus spreads within a community. And if your reproductive number for the virus, the base a reproductive number, the R0 goes up, then your herd immunity threshold goes up as well. And the where we are predicting the Delta variant to land means that we need to be immunizing above 
probably 85% of our population. And given that a large proportion of our population is young, we are not going to be able to reach herd immunity without vaccinating children, at least getting down to 12-year-olds. And then we'll have to have very, very high vaccine coverage in adults. We don't have that at the moment. Our numbers are creeping upwards, but we have a very long way to go. The other thing to remember is that herd immunity is not an on-off switch. It's not like it'll kick in suddenly. What we are seeing already with 67% protection by and large is a slower spread of a very, very infectious variant. So to some extent, you are seeing the impact of having part of your population protected and it will get better as you get closer to 85%. While India's COVID vaccination program is moving at a snail's pace over vaccine shortages, there's a lot at stake. So far, according to the COVID vaccination dashboard, while 28.97% of the total population have been vaccinated with the first dose of COVID shot, only 8.17% of the population have received both the doses. With newer variants and spike in cases, there's also a growing concern for children. But is India doing enough? Dr. Kang believes that with this pandemic, we're constantly learning, but we're not experimenting enough. So I think with this pandemic, we are all learning. And what bothers me is that we are not experimenting enough and not documenting enough. What we could do is when you have a question like this, should we really vaccinate more in places that have lower zero prevalence? Should we be vaccinating, you know, not by giving supplies that are equitably distributed across districts, but identify, let's say, hard to reach areas and do a blanket vaccination in those areas? I think these are the things that should be experiments that the program does, and then we should be documenting the results, as in monitoring these areas after a period of time and saying, did it bring disease down? What do we use as a control? Where did we do things differently that will allow us to figure out whether the approaches that we are taking have worked or not? I think there's still room for us to learn, but we have to go into this with a mindset of there are important questions And these can be addressed by what are actually relatively simple experiments, but the data management has to be well done. And that's a wrap for this episode. Follow the Quint and QuintFit for all updates on the pandemic. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates. We'll have on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section. For any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequinn.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quinn's website and check out our other podcasts.